You hit that guy. He shouldn't have been standing. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Well, I'll ask him, but I don't think he'll be very keen. Uh, he's already got one, you see? And hey, listeners, welcome back once again to Gag Reel. How is it going? Uh, your favorite new-ish uh, uh, comedy movie podcast. You know it's your favorite. I'm Ryan. I'm Will. And uh, today we have a special creepy little treat for Halloween time. It is October. It's getting spooky out. You're putting the candy corn in the bowls just for them to probably get thrown out in a month because that stuff is nasty. Nobody likes that shit. Um, you're probably going to end up with all sorts of milk duds and Rolos for you to also throw out. Rolo Tony. But uh, on the agenda today, we are going to each give you our top five horror comedy films. We're going to get spooky and goofy right up in here. Movies that are spooky, but uh, also get a little kooky. Spook kook. Movies that'll uh, curl your arm hairs, but also make you fall out of your chairs. Movies that are dark, but they also might make you shart. That's a little. That that was okay. That's a little little, little gross uh, fart humor here. We're going in that direction today. You gotta, yeah. Oof. Horror movies—they're all about bodily functions. Uh, so if it, we we kick it off with that. I might cut that out. We'll see. I don't know if I'd like comedy movies if I sharted every time I watched. Them. <laughs> I think I'd be done laughing for the rest of my life. That's yet to happen to me in my life, but we'll see. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, uh, coming up next, we'll jump into our uh, our top five lists. Here we go. Let's do this. Coming soon. Jolting tales of horror. Creep show. All right, yeah, this is our uh, first time having an attempt at this. Um, do, do you have any any kind of ideas uh, off the bat, Will? I figured we could just kind of go back and forth you talk about your five i talk about my five i think first things first we should maybe clarify like what each of our criterias were going into all this that's a good call it's a good call yeah um yeah i think i forgot which one of us came up with this idea but i started thinking about kind of like um which type of horror comedy i I would kind of lean on here because uh, I feel like there's a lot of different directions that um, this kind of subgenre can go in. Uh, a lot of horror comedies are kind of more so comedies set in a horror setting, like uh, Young Frankenstein or Scary Movie, um, This is the End, What We Do in the Shadows, all great movies. But uh, I didn't want to go for that. I wanted to go more for movies that are both kind of somewhat equal parts horror and comedy rather than just comedy and i and i avoided satires that are more so kind of uh attempts to jab at at horror movies uh like the cabin in the woods or or scream really went for movies that try and really kind of hit the balance of horror and comedy 
But, you know, it's a comedy show. It's the gag reel, so I, I leaned a little bit more towards comedy. Basically, movies that are, okay. you know, concerned with being all-out comedies, but still have real thrills and real stakes. What was your uh, kind of uh, angle to this endeavor? Um, it was honestly a bit tough for me because when it comes to horror comedies, like, I don't know. I It's a genre that I'm not... It's not my. It's not a go-to source for me. If I want to watch a horror movie, I usually just watch a horror movie. If I want to watch a comedy, I'll watch a comedy. And so, when it comes to horror comedies, it's just it's not something I, I always lean towards. And so, essentially, for my list, it was a lot more so of what are my favorites. You know, what are ones that I will go to regardless. That may it may be you know like it may lean more into horror, it may lean more into comedy, but. What are some favorites of mine that it doesn't matter if I'm in the mood for a comedy or a horror movie. I'll just put it on regardless. And so essentially, I, I just went for favorites. They might not be the best, but they're the ones that I'll go to and I recommend to anybody who hasn't seen any of these movies. Yeah, there we go. I mean, most of these movies are, are favorites of mine. So this is probably just an excuse for me to talk about some great movies. Yeah, so I, I didn't really get super picky with my criteria because if I did, I would have had to wade through a lot of movies I hadn't seen before. And and so, I mean, I did watch a bunch, but um, the ones that uh, ended up sticking were the ones that uh, were kind of already in my head before I started. All right, all right. Um, what, did you want to kick it off? I guess I could kick it off. Um, I'll put uh, the fifth on my list... We'll have to go to 2010's Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Directed by Eli Craig. It's got uh, Tyler Labine, Alan Tudyk, uh, Katrina Bowden, Jesse Moss, and Shaylin Simmons. Um, for anybody who hadn't seen it, it's basically a couple of really well-meaning hillbillies with hearts of gold purchase a dilapidated cabin to fix up to fulfill their dream of owning a vacation home, but are mistaken for savage killers by a bunch of clueless college students insanity ensues it's a very funny movie and um and i'm putting it on my list that because you know like while after rewatching it you know like the filmmaking was amateur at best and the third act was kind of a mess but there there really is some like true hilarity and really memorable character work and uh just uh it, it just uh oozes originality in um maintaining a balance of this high absurdity while also using like a level of realism that's kind of beyond most slasher horror movies. And um, it uses that groundedness as like this ongoing joke while also trying maintaining this balance of just like this truly absurd premise at the same time. It, it's, it, it's a good movie. I recommend I thought it. about putting it on my list too. It's like this perfect kind of comedy of errors where these guys continue to just be part of this ridi ridiculous endeavor where everything they do leads to like gruesome, horrifying things. Yeah. It, it's yeah, everything. They do. It's pretty perfect. And, um, Alan Tudyk's great and everything, but I really got to give it to, uh, Tyler Labine. Who's not in a whole lot, but his performance, uh, is, is just top notch when he's like freaking out over everything that's happening around him. Mm hmm. And uh, but Alan Tudyk really kills it with some of his facial expressions. Like for some reason, he he plays like the normal guy out of the, the 
the two of them when they're together. But every time they're stuck in a situation where other people around them, Alan Tudyk somehow comes across as even weirder, <laughs> and it it is hysterical. Yeah, he, he like you said, he's always great. Um, I'm glad we get an excuse to uh to talk about Alan Tudyk a lot. He's just one of those character actors that makes any kind of situation uh more funny. Yep. Well, I guess. All so. right, but that's about all I got to say on this one. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess it's your turn. I'll talk about my my number five. I hadn't seen this movie in a long time, and uh, frankly, it it's almost a lot of movies on this list are gonna be kind of bloody because uh, I don't know. I feel like Evil Dead Two kind of laid down the groundwork of the splat stick kind of angle uh, of comedy in horror. And this movie like takes it oh, yeah. to the umpteenth degree, probably like way more so than any film ever should. I used to see the uh, DVD box at at Hastings, and it would say the goriest film of all time. But it is like an itchy and scratchy cartoon in, in the way that it treats its violence, and it never looks too realistic with its violence. Uh, this is Peter Jackson's 1992. Uh, brain dead or for some reason in america it was called dead alive on this picturesque block in this manicured home something evil something terrifying something horrifying is haunting life his mother. I thought I told you to spray this house. The place is infested with vermin. Although she was a little strict. And it, it's a really bizarre New Zealand zombie flick about uh, this guy trying to date this young woman, but he has a very overprotective mother. Um, it, it includes some of the weirdest, most cartoonish things you would you would see in this kind of horror film. There's a kung fu fighting priest who says, uh, <laughs> I kick ass for the Lord, verbatim. There's a uh, yeah. garbage pail-esque zombie baby. Um, and th- there's oh, enough fake blood that. to cover probably every frame of the extended Lord of the Rings trilogy. Real, <laughs> really gross movie, but uh, hilarious slapstick. Probably one of the few films on my list that actually has some uh, some critical praise. A lot of people thought that it, it really nailed this this uh, this zaniness, and uh, and I agree. Yeah. But not for like the squeamish. It, it uh, its violence is cartoonish, but it is uh, very violent. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a fun movie. I haven't seen it in a really long time. I meant to check it out for this list, but I didn't get a chance. Yeah, I'm just gonna give it all to you when it comes to your recommendation. Yep, yep. Um, if you if you just want something yeah. bloody as heck uh, and and wacky, if you've already seen Evil Dead two and some of the other movies we're probably going to talk about, but you're just craving something uh, something slapstick like that, go for uh, Dead Alive. But I, I guess let, let's do number four, man. Number four, just this will be an easy one because we were just talking about it. But my number four is Evil Dead two, 1987 by Sam Raimi. Starring Bruce Campbell. We were just talking about it. It's wacky. It's it's slapstick. Um, I just think the thought process of making this movie, like, just 
should not be understated. I mean, like, what filmmakers in their right mind would, would think, okay, let's take our serious, albeit a bit over-the-top horror film and make a sequel to it, but this time let's get real wacky with it, all the way to the level of self-parody. I mean, it's got quips. It's got visual gags. It's got slapstick. Lots of very cleverly devised slapstick, and it also has the spooks. <laughs> I gotta recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has all that. It wild to me that they basically rebooted their own movies. Like it's almost a remake of the first film. Yeah, well, like the first half hour is basically a recap of the first part, and then like, but with different events happening. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, huh interesting one of the things i thought was most interesting was the I, I feel like the it's hard to nail down like a specific canon when it comes to the the movie series because like you'll get references later on to the first movie even mm-hmm. though the second one rebooted it in a way and so it, it, it's it's amusing how it essentially as the films go on it turns into more and more of a joke about how none of these movies truly line up with one another and it just makes it even funnier as as they try and progress it like with um they uh anybody who hadn't been paying attention the last few years they made a uh a continuation in a three three season long tv series called ash versus evil dead and that just kind of continues on and gets even more wacky the whole series is recommended i just think evil dead 2 is the best of all of it so you know out of the Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, and then the the series. I, I definitely think Evil Dead 2 is is the pinnacle of all of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, some people think Army of Darkness is the best. So, And uh, I, I kind of hinted this earlier. This film kind of created this like hyper-violence as comedy kind of in, in the real world, just like gore flying everywhere kind of idea. Yeah. Like a... Pretty famous scene with a, a stuffed deer head on a wall. Yeah, yeah. This film gets <laughs> wild. Yep, there's a like a ten minute sequence where he's fighting a disembodied hand and with with sound of with wacky sound effects and everything. Mm-hmm. goes all out in the kind of like cartoonish uh cartoonishness very fun horror movie yeah definitely a spin like on that serious angle that the uh the first one had yeah also cemented uh bruce campbell into the uh cult movie hall of fame that it did but uh what is your number four my number four is something that uh shamefully was actually somewhat new to me i hadn't seen this movie i'd always heard of this movie special effects being outstanding i know this is the movie that gave uh rob botten the uh, the kind of uh notoriety that he then worked on john carpenter's the thing and uh and he, he worked on a lot of other flicks but i'm talking about uh john landis 1981 and american werewolf in london that's a damn good movie it is 
incredibly fun um but a bit more serious than some of the other ones on my list uh it is kind of a genuine horror film like it is a like a genuinely really great werewolf movie um but it, it kind of grounds you from the start in uh in the kind of a uh, conversational humor that that john landis had already kind of uh messed with in animal house and and some of his other flicks uh you you get a kind of idea of who these two young guys are uh, as they're in the first few scenes you see they're backpacking through uh northern uh england and you you get a lot of just genuine kind of uh humor from between them and their dialogue but i feel like some of the best gags in this movie some of the best laughs that i had were uh were from the special effects uh, in some of the moments. I, I'm not going to spoil it, but there is a, a scene where two characters are, are conversing and one of them is uh, kind of horribly gouged and your eyes just naturally uh, keep focusing on this like latex skin flap on his neck. And somehow mm-hmm. that skin flap is hilarious. It, it just I don't I think the actor like <laughs> purposely kind of like moved his neck so that it would move in the right timing. It's just very very funny um, effects. There's yeah. also a few dream sequences in the film. Um, I won't go into too much, but one of them involves uh, pretty much like werewolf Nazis and in- invading a uh, a suburban home. And it is just that perfect balance of like a horrifying situation, but just utterly ridiculous and surreal where you don't really know if you should laugh or be scared, but you're kind of teetering on both at the same time. Yeah, that's a, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great movie. I haven't seen it in a while, so I can't comment too much, but it's definitely uh, one of my absolute favorite John Landis movies. And you can tell like a lot of his, I don't know, it's kind of like the essence of John Landis was the strongest in this one yeah like of my favorite john lannis movies probably this one and the blues brothers and the blues brothers is much more of a dan Aykroyd john belushi vehicle than Mm. anything else it's very more it's much more straightforward with its comedy fantastic Uh, american werewolf relies a bit more on on the uh the filmmaking to deliver some of those punches um through uh, there's a few montages that are uh funny yeah that's kind of what i meant by the essence of john lannis you know being a director and uh, also having written the movie, it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, this was this was something that you could tell just stewed in his head for a long time. Oh yeah, and this really like defined a, a lot of kind of uh, the the horror comedy uh, subgenre of like that's true. Adding comedy to big blockbuster horror flicks uh, had been done before, but um, not in this kind of tone, uh, on this kind of level, and with this amount of uh, filmmaking prowess uh, with these special effects, like it. Some of the shots look a little weird now, but for the most part, uh, that obviously everyone talks about the werewolf transformation scene, which is terrifying and fascinating, a uh, mix of like stop motion and latex and all sorts of weird trickery. But yeah. um, I don't know where my mind was going with that. I had a point. I lost it. Good movie. <laughs> yeah. There is a, a a famous scene now. It's been imitated a lot uh, in which, I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler for me to say a werewolf movie. Obviously, he's going to wake up from after a werewolf, uh, you know, rampage, uh, often naked, 
that's usually what happens in werewolf movies. I don't think that's a spoiler. Well, yeah, the... but uh, they did a funny take on, on that uh, in this, and you've probably seen it kind of mocked and imitated in other flicks. But I, I think you, you just can't beat how funny uh, this sequence is after he wakes yeah. up. <laughs> that was my four. All right, so we're moving on to number three, and my number three is 1985's Reanimator. Ooh. Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school. How can you teach such drivel? These people are here to learn, and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. What are He's you? brilliant, but a little weird. I've broken the 6 to 12-minute barrier. I've conquered brain death. His experiments have always been unorthodox. It was dead. I but lately, they're getting out of hand. <laughs> And he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. By Stuart Gordon, starring Jeffrey Combs, Bruce Abbott, David Gale, and Barbara Crampton. Is it freaky? Oh, yeah. Is it spooky? Oh, yeah. Is it bloody? Absolutely. But is it also wacky and hilarious? Most definitely. This movie gots it all. Uh, like I was saying about horror comedies, you know, when I want to watch a horror movie, I want to watch a horror movie. I want to watch a comedy. I want to watch a comedy. But with this movie, though, it just tickles both itches. And so I don't mind getting sucked into the madness of Dr. Herbert West from time to time. Oh, yeah. Um, th this film is... I had heard about one of the scenes in it. Um, a friend had described it to me. And I didn't really believe it before I saw it. That He just said there's there's a scene in it involving a rabid cat. And it's the funniest thing <laughs> in the world. And I, I didn't believe him that like a cat could be that funny. But uh, there's a scene early on in the movie that really kind of defines the uh, the tone and the humor that, that the movie, uh, when it hits, it hits hard. And, and yeah, yeah, that that cat scene is amazing. Go watch the movie yeah, got, just to see that. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got sucked into, yeah, this whole, like, it, most, like, Stuart Gordon in general, just around this time, uh, uh, about 10 years ago, I, w I was getting sucked into all these 80s movies, these John Carpenter-esque 80s movies where they just they take everything so seriously that it ends up being funny. And some of them, like like most of Stuart Gordon's movies, does that intentionally. Some some other ones don't. But and um, yeah, Reanimator just takes the cake for just being take it like being so dry with its insanity and um, you could absolutely take it as a serious horror movie if, if you're looking at it uh, with, I guess, a certain angle. If you get in, like, but at the same time, it's just so, so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And Jeffrey Combs just hams it up. Jeffrey Combs makes that movie. Yeah. Well, I arguably it's him and Bruce Abbott as as um, Han, Hans. Uh, I forgot the his professor's yeah, name. Yeah. But they. Like when he's just, I mean, like half of the movie, he's a disembodied head. Yep. Yep. There's. And he kills it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is a, a scene that um, I, I guess I'll just give a kind of forewarning. Um, if you do watch this without knowing much about it, I'll give you a trigger warning. There is a kind of a, a sexual kind of a assaultish oh. kind of thing that happens with him. And uh, I do think the movie takes it seriously. Like he, he is the villain. Yeah. And it's very villainous. I don't think it's meant for laughs. 
but uh, I, no. I will give a kind of trigger warning for that. I rewatched that for this list, and I did find that alarming <laughs> with how, how uh, that's it, yeah. that was portrayed. That's, but it, like that's you a said, good thing to point out, yeah. it's a very funny movie, and he does do a good job of playing a head while a uh, a body walks him around. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what's your uh, what's your number three? Number three. Okay. Well, um, I'm gonna say to any listeners out there, we didn't address this earlier. Um, any listeners out there who were are kind of hoping that um, uh, I might put Ghostbusters on my list, uh, I'm I'm just gonna let you down now. I did not because uh, mainly because to me that's kind of more of a comedy fantasy that kind of plays around with with horror um tropes, but I don't think it's ever really scary personally um, it's a comedy it's a hilarious movie for though. me it'll end for me it's a comedy. it'll end up it's on like another it. list if we ever yeah i think we could do a whole separate list of comedies in kind of horror settings just so i could talk about yeah. what we do in the shadows oh yeah but um I, I i could see you arguing against my number three for the criteria i just set because this is lightly a fantasy but I do think it it still plays hard into the horror comedy, and this is one everyone's seen. If you've ever had a t uh, cable subscription and had TBS, Beetlejuice, number three, easy pick for me. Oh, I love didn't Beetlejuice. Didn't see that coming. See, I was I would have categorized that in the same category as Ghostbusters. Yeah, you not necessarily go right to uh, hell. A, it's not necessarily in the same sense. I just. No, I I, I, I agree. Find, I find Tim Burton movies as like pretend spooky, like not real spooky. I could see that, but uh, I don't know. I mean, like I definitely have a spook. slanted view on this movie because I first saw it as a young child. And towards the end, there are some sequences that I genuinely did find scary. And it's mainly because okay. of this kind of fantastical world he's built that I feel like the... Um, I guess the the design of the of the specifically the makeup towards the end as uh, some kind of dark things happen to um, the main characters uh, it it looks freaky uh, and like if it okay. was in a normal movie I don't think I'd buy it as much but because the world of the film is so kind of uh, bizarre and surreal it, I kind of bought it and also there is uh, some creature effects towards the end of the movie where the main characters are trying to um, make themselves appear terrifying to kick out these uh, these residents. And I found that deeply disturbing as a child, the way they presented themselves. Uh, creature true. effects, truly amazing. But I'm done defending it as a horror movie. I want to talk about the comedy of this movie, mm-hmm. which is spot on. No it's one can deny it. Beetlejuice is a hilarious film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a, it's, it's a very amusing movie. Well, obviously, Catherine O'Hara, hilarious. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, just roll on to Catherine and O'Hara. And Gina Davis fantastic performance. is, uh, yes. I, I had kind of forgotten how great Gina Davis is in this film. She really, I feel like, I mean, oh, Alec yeah. Baldwin's an amazing actor, but um, Gina Davis, I really think, sells their relationship through it because mm-hmm. you don't really get that much of them on their own because um, there's so much plot in this movie and uh the tim burton's really trying to get us to uh and i guess michael mcdowell i I should say the uh, screenwriter trying to get us to that next part of the world that they're building um they don't have that much time to develop the characters but 
Gina Davis is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, she does a really good job. And just the, this depiction of the afterlife is Michael Keaton. Hilarious. Yeah. Juno, the caseworker. Never trust the living. We cannot have a routine haunting like yours provide proof that there is existence beyond death. Coach, coach, where's the men's room? Yeah. yeah. I'm not your coach. He survived. By the way, coach, let me get something straight. What's our curfew around here? Will you get out of here? It's all right, get downstairs. Men's room, are you kidding? Get the read signs. I'll be right back. Sylvia Sidney, apparently. Okay. Old world act. Looked like she had acted many, many years, but um, yeah. perfect as Juno. I love her and the football team. As obvious as that joke is, it feels weird just saying, uh, talking about Beetlejuice, because who the hell hasn't seen Beetlejuice? But um, yeah. if you haven't, and you're looking for a spooky movie this uh, this Halloween time, and you want to laugh, I, it's, it's hard to, to keep this off the list, personally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You you won me over. I, I agree with your recommendation now. At first I was like, oh, no, that's a Ghostbuster. That doesn't belong on the list. I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly now. Are we down to number two? I think we're at number two. This is going to be a shorter episode, which not a bad thing. Yeah. All right. We are at number two, folks. Drum roll, please. Um, Spooky drum roll. Uh, Spooky drum roll. How do you do that? What, what, what kind of sound effect would that well, be? Well, obviously, it would be bones for drums. But how would you tell that they were bones? I don't know. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have a video in the link. <laughs> Imagine those drums okay. are bones. There we go. <laughs> All right, for my number two, also a lot less on the spooky category. But when it comes to like this specific subgenre of horror in general, I don't find the subgenre itself very spooky. So I'm still going to give it to my number two, Shaun of the Dead, 2004, Edgar Wright, with uh, starring Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Kate Ashfield, Lucy Davis, Dylan Moran, Bill Nighy, and Penelope Wilton. But yeah, I, I don't find zombie movies in general very spooky. And so... I feel like uh, this should be, you know, it, it should be given to uh, Shaun of the Dead regardless. I think it's a fantastic film. Even if it wasn't a comedy or a horror movie, it would be a great movie because it's just so well written and impeccably shot and has some really, really fantastic editing that just it all works together to make this fantastic comedy. Um. And so even though the horror does kind of take a back seat most of the time, it, it still gets tense at moments and it still gets heartbreaking at others because the characters are just so well defined. Um, even though if, if I were on an Edgar Wright list, uh, you know, like uh, of his Cornetto trilogy, I kind of personally prefer Hot Fuzz because of my penchant for a good action comedy. I got to say, Shaun of the Dead makes my top five list of horror comedies. I'm with you there, but uh, slight disagreement. I think Shaun of the Dead is the better flick of the two, personally. I, but I'm maybe pretty that's sure because I'm and more of a zombie movie person. I'm pretty sure it is a better movie in general. I just like Hot Fuzz a little more. But uh, great pick. 
And I do think there are genuine stakes in, in Shaun of the Dead. Um, as his oh, yeah. loved ones are, are slowly taken by zombies. Yeah. That's true. That's a, that's a very good point. But equal parts hilarious, too. Yeah. And just amazingly and I- stylish, too. Like... This really kind of cemented a very new visual style that a lot of films kind of mimicked for years. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, that, that, that's what I'm saying. It's just like most comedies, even, even like some of the best comedies don't don't have like a unique art, like strut, like style, you know, like and feel. And just it's just, yeah, just such such a high bar set for just comedies in general, let alone horror comedies. Good, good movie. And um, I would highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. All right, and uh, I don't know if I have much to add about uh, Shaun of the Dead. It has been a little while since I uh, I watched it. I, I I I made my criteria, and I figured it wouldn't really fit into that, so I didn't rewatch it for uh, for this go. Okay, I thought I, I yeah I I think it it the more I think about it, and after having rewatched it recently, I don't know. I'm gonna squeeze it in there in terms of it definitely fitting because the more I think about it, you know, like it has just as much social commentary as Dawn of the, as George Romero's Dawn of the dead, mm-hmm. you know, like even though it, it's parody esque, it's still, it meets all the criteria for a zombie movie. Yeah. You know? And like, and then it, it ties in the, you know, like the comedy aspect of, you know, uh, a slacker guy and like he's and the world around him being, you know, what he's, a, it also works in a, uh, a COVID uh, world in a, in a, in relevancy because of how I don't want to spoil too much, but the, the way it all wraps up is a lot is very similar to how we're all kind of dealing with the COVID issue. Mm-hmm. I guess that was uh that was your number two, right? Yep. What is yours? Uh, my number two. And it was a big toss up between my number two and my number one, but I swapped them around last minute. My number two is the, very bizarre, very low budget. Wackadoo is the only name I could think for it. Uh, the 1985 uh, Dan O'Bannon horror comedy, Return of the Living Dead. Yes. The pseudo sequel to <laughs> Night of the Living Dead. Absolutely. Frank? Yeah, kid. What's the weirdest thing you've ever saw in here? Kid. I have seen weird things come, and I have seen weird things go. The weirdest thing I ever saw just had to cap it all. Oh, yeah? <laughs> What's that? Let me ask you a question, kid. Did you see that movie, Night of the Living Dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one where the corpses start eating the people, right? Sure. What, what about it? Did you know that movie was based on a true case? Oh, come on, you're shitting me, right? I ain't never been more serious in my life. Which takes the Night of the Living Dead and kind of sort of parodies it, but not really. It's more just a kind of like pseudo real world kind of take on. I don't even know. It's a bizarre movie. You could almost but just it's say hilarious. It, yeah, it just redefines. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard to describe. I watched it the other day and I was completely blown away by it. It was very amazing. <laughs> it uh, within the first uh, about ten minutes or so, you witness um, a half a dog become reanimated. Yep. Um, 
butterflies uh, that were, you know, dead and pinned to a board uh, in, in a bug collection uh, reanimated. A punk rocker who dresses pretty nicely uh, despite all of his very uh, aggressively punk friends. Uh, he, he, he gets a, a great new job just to breathe in noxious, horrible gas on his first day. I, I um, loved it, it, their little story arc throughout the movie, him and his boss, and uh, just what they were going through. Like it, it was, it's something that's ri- like just that whole concept is so rarely touched on in a zombie movie, you know, like, and, <laughs> and it, and even though it's a comedy and it is funny, there's a real horror to the, to the idea of, you know, like these people slowly, like it, it slowly dawning on them, what's going on to what's going on, like what's happening to them. Yeah, yeah, that's true, but they, the the situation though, <laughs> I cannot state how wackadoo this movie is. The zombies can talk in this movie. Yes. They seem very more, much more aware of their surroundings than in other zombie flicks. They have there's an the ability to scene with a zombie. <laughs> yes, yes, they they uh yeah that that's kind of a sad scene, but yeah, you go watch it. You see what we're talking about, but uh, humorously though, the zombies trick police into calling more police so that they can attack and eat more cops. Um, yeah, that's that's a little moment yes. from this film, uh, which was, is not great. as bloody and disgusting as Dead Alive, um, but it gets pretty graphic. There, there is uh, lots of pretty zany zombie kills. And uh, lots of bizarre kind of zombie dismemberments. And some great special effects. A half of zombie that, that crawls around. And yeah, and like you said, they interrogate. It, uh, it It's worth watching if you are a fan of kind of cult uh, horror films. Or if you just like having a laugh at, uh, at gory horror films. And it has that that kind of schlocky dialogue too that is laughable on its own. And I'd also like to throw out like I mean if if you're a fan of like George Romero's uh, Dead trilogy, and you read somewhere like while while you were kind of doing your reading, this is where I was. This was the camp I was in. Was I read about? Oh, okay, so. you know, like there was a deviation in where they wanted to go with the series after Night of the Living Dead and George Romero did his thing. And then um, I forgot his name when and did his own thing and wrote a book and whatnot. And so if you were just like, oh, well, George Romero's are so good that I, I don't need to see this. Definitely you're, you're in the wrong there. Check out Return of the Living Dead. It's so different. It's such a wildly different tangent. You're not going to be like, oh, well, it's not it's not george romero's movie so i don't care you know like it's a fantastic no this is like if the trauma films had high budget yes yes that is it speaking of which trauma films recommend Mm -hmm. some of those i almost put uh i i I didn't i didn't know where toxic avenger fit in i i thought about it as well i i figured i I rewatched most of it and i was like this is like you know horror ish but i it's almost more of an exploitation film yeah and so yeah i i I felt the same way i didn't i didn't put it on on there but yeah hilarious movie though oh yeah but yeah that was uh, my number two okay 
And um, at this point, before we reveal our number ones, do you have any honorable mentions, like stuff that you kind of wanted to put on but didn't, or at the very least just recommend, and even though you didn't really feel like putting it on your top five list? Uh, too many, too many. Um, Creep Show was right there at the cusp. I, I rewatched it, though, and it didn't make me laugh out loud as many times as I remember, but that movie just has this overall kind of humorous tone to it. It's in the style of kind of um, 1950s uh, Tales from the Crypt comics, uh, stuff like that. Stephen King and George Romero flick, uh, same year as um, American Werewolf in, in London, actually. And yeah. Really playful, fun, horror anthology film. Um, I thought about Your Next. Ooh, that's a good um, which was a, a really fun uh home invasion slasher part of the kind of mumblecore horror scene mumble gore as they called it uh like vhs vhs2 house of the devil um house of the devil is so good <laughs> i rewatched yeah. that a few weeks ago but yeah your next is really funny ready or not just came out last year i think and that movie was was pretty hilarious if that movie wouldn't have been as recent i, I probably would have rewatched it and um put it on here but uh, I, I think i want to give it a little bit more time yeah that that is a really good one. Um, oh wait one, one more if if we ever uh do that kind of uh comedy movies in the horror settings list i want to put elvira mistress of the dark on there because uh really? sandra peterson hilarious in that film i have not seen that one really really funny comedy so uh, what about you okay um well, uh, I want to get one of one of them out of the way just in case some people out there are you know want this on the list. Um, I I I was I wanted to put uh, Get Out on on here for a while, but I'm just gonna give it an honorable mention because I didn't have much of a criteria for this list, but I I this one popped out of my head as I can't fit it on here because it's not a horror comedy. Um, this is in fact a comedy horror where that's a good way to put yeah, it where horror comedies would take a horror premise and make comedy out of it or add comedy to it this takes a comedic premise something that would work in a in a sketch comedy um and then just makes a, a true horror movie out of it i watched it again the other day there were moments where i i laughed out loud but at the same time it just it takes its horror so seriously that i just I couldn't put it on there. It's 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 a but it's a great movie and an honorable mention. And if you haven't oh, yeah. seen it yet, I agree. Check yeah. it out. I saw it twice in theaters, and both yeah. times there was rupturous laughter. Uh, so many moments, but oh, yeah. yeah, I think overall the tone that you walk away from that movie with is not. Oh, that was a hilarious romp. Yeah. Um, another one I would mention, uh, I would recommend is uh, this this little known movie called Grabbers. It's a, a Scottish-made movie where an alien invasion of these strange tentacle-like creatures attacks this tavern in Scotland, and they do not kill people who are inebriated. And so they have to get wasted to survive. <laughs> it's, it's highly entertaining. I recommend the movie. And if I would have rewatched it um, before this list, I, it might even be on this list recommended check it out another um another on my honorable mentions um definitely didn't make me laugh nearly enough to put it on here but james gunn's slither 
is a really entertaining uh, movie. And um, if you like all of these 1980s uh, schlocky, violent, uh, special effects extravaganza type movies, check it out. It's such a uh, homage to all of those. There were moments when I was rewatching it the other day that I was like, oh, okay, this definitely has to make my list. Just seeing Michael Rooker looking like a half squid man face thing. I was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely good on the list. But like over like by the end of the movie, it just it, so much of it isn't very memorable that it just kind of takes away from the movie as a whole. But um, it's uh, it's definitely a recommended watch. And uh, his uh, his days as an assistant director for Troma Films definitely went a lot into this movie. So is this it? I guess I'd also like to throw in. Uh, yes, uh, the other day I watched uh, Fright Night, uh, nineteen, uh, I believe, eighty-eight movie. Not hilarious, but amusing and um, a fun, uh, a fun vampire romp. I'd, I'd go ahead and recommend that if you're just looking for something else to check out. Also, Monster Squad. Mon- oh yeah, why haven't we talked about Monster Squad? Check I love out Monster, Monster Squad. Squad. That's a fun, fun oh. movie. All right, let's get to number ones. Numero uno. Now this one, before I go ahead and mention it, I'm gonna say it did surprise me when it all done when it when it when it this movie clicked like oh okay of course this is my number one. It surprised yeah, wait, let's, me. Let's cue the the spooky bone drum. Those are bones you hear. Yes. They're not just drums. That's not just a regular drum roll. Those are bone bone rolls. Maximum overdrive. Oh my gosh, yes. 1986, Stephen King, Emilio Estevez, Pat Hingle, Laura Harrington, and Yardley Smith. Help me. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. And that's a promise. You're going to get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum terror. Jesus coming in here. Yes. Maximum King. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. Man, this movie has an absurd premise, over-the-top sequences, plays itself super seriously. It's the perfect horror comedy that likely wasn't filmed with the intent on becoming one. I mean, like, and because if you look into any of the behind the scenes, you'll find that there was so much cocaine floating around on set that Stephen King himself can't remember filming like a single moment of the entire damn thing. But mm-hmm. the movie is so ridiculous and technologically illiterate that it has to earn my top spot. I just absolutely love this stupid, stupid movie, and I've seen it more times than I should probably admit. Yeah, yeah. Stephen King calls this a moron movie, but you can call me a moron, Stephen King. I love this dumb movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so absurd. Man. I think so much a lot of this is intentionally funny. A toaster killing someone was it had to have been funny on purpose. See, like I go back and forth because on one hand it does it, it is hilarious, but on the other hand, like so many of his stories around that time, like whether it's his short stories or little bits and pieces from his eighties writing, just show this kind of like illogical fear of like electrical appliances that I almost Mm -hmm. wonder like how much of it was actually 
intentional. I, I imagine it was half, <laughs> like at least half intentional. But I, I, I think there was like this, this strange paranoia going on in his head. Like, oh, what if it does? What if it does go crazy? What if the lawnmower does take control? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, it, it couldn't have been entirely, in, entirely, uh, you know, like, for real i want to explain some of the bonkersness of this movie if people out there have missed it the idea of this film is that a solar ray or an eclipse i forget um causes for some reason for like x amount of days or hours every electrical appliance and also apparently mechanical device on earth and to become uh, become sentient and want to kill human beings. Yep. That's yes. pretty much all you need to know. It's pretty, like, it's pretty back of the box, and that's it. Yep. But it's great. <laughs> yep. If you ever want to see a negotiation between a uh, 18-wheeler truck yep. and Emilio Estevez. They need us. This is the flick. <laughs> it's so good. Because cars need gas. Yes, they do. And they can't get that without us. So obviously negotiations have to happen. <laughs> I forget who else is kind of the secondary cast. Oh, there's Pat Hangle, who also played um, uh, Commissioner Gordon in the uh, Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher Batman movies of the 90s. Okay. Um, Laura Harrington, uh, who's the uh, love interest in the movie. Yardley Smith, who's also Lisa from The Simpsons, was in it. And there's a bunch of others. I, I can't recall their names at the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, I, I just I, I have like a penchant for these strange like these ensemble movies where a whole bunch of people are stuck in a place like being attacked by swarms of creatures like it's such a Stephen King esque thing. And this is the most absurd version of all of it. <laughs> like, I mean, I thought about putting Tremors on the list. That's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. But it just it didn't it, it just wasn't. It wasn't up to that level, you know, I don't want to, you know, suggest to our listeners that they should, uh, you know, consume alcohol or uh, or different various substances. But watching that movie or a handful of the movies on this list while you had a few drinks and you're hanging with some friends. It's going to be a good time. Yep. I've had many nights have, having beers with friends watching Return of the Living Dead. Same thing with Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> you will have lots of laughs. I don't know if you'll ever be scared, but uh, it's a funny, funny movie. I guess it would depend on how many drinks you had, <laughs> how scared you would be. But uh, yeah, let's let's move on to your number one pick. Number one. Cue number the bone drums again. The drums. Uh, you know, I said at the start of my list that uh, I really aim for movies that um, do have a pretty significant horror angle, um, uh, and that the comedy kind of comes from that. Uh, but this is my show, and I want to talk about my favorite movie, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, which... I will admit, definitely leans a lot more towards comedy. But like I said, it's my show. Get the hell out of here. Write to gagrealpod at gmail.com if you want to complain to me. Um, but Gremlins 2, the new batch, is 
one of the more hilarious films of all time, in my opinion. Uh, it definitely of the kind of splatstick genre, which I think it, it kind of tastefully tones down for kids by making it just green goo everywhere rather than uh, than human blood. Yeah, like somehow they were able to make a um, a kind of Evil Dead gore fest. Uh, you know, there's about, I think I watched a Kill Count video, and there's, yeah, nearly 300 gremlins die in this film. That's true. It's Yeah, it's a slaughterhouse. Um, but they make it work, and it's absolutely hilarious from start to finish in the most wackadoo way, in ways that maybe some of it is unintentional, just schlockiness. But for the most part, this is just a wacky cartoon time by Joe Dante and uh and his cronies yep it 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 also it it falls along the line of like uh like when we were talking about evil dead 2 where it's almost a parody of its the first one it definitely is but at the same time it's just it's so good the first gremlins probably would uh, belong on this list a little bit more by my criteria it's a bit more of a strict horror comedy it, it balances those a bit more tries to be a little scarier but gremlins 2 i think is a more fun time if you're just mm-hmm. uh, looking for a fun dumb time through this october in this hellscape of a year and you've never seen gremlins 2 uh let me lay it down for you there is a spider gremlin there is a brainy gremlin voiced by Tony Randall who shoots another gremlin in the head just to prove a point. That one of these creatures is somehow able to talk and he's going to talk with us right now. I think the main question that people have is, the creature, what is it that you want? Fred, what we want is, I think, what everyone wants and what you and your viewers have, civilization. Um, there's Christopher Lee who plays an evil scientist, which he should just always play. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know if you heard all those things and you don't want to watch this movie, then yeah, don't watch it because you're not going to like it. But I don't know how you heard though that description and didn't want to watch Gremlins 2. It's a crazy movie that's also very entertaining. There's cameos that you'd never expect. Mm Mm-hmm. It uh, uh the the original had some kind of fourth wall breaking. This one also does a lot of gags like that, um, in almost more of a kind of comedic sense. Mm-hmm. Very funny move, in my opinion. Yeah. Take it or leave. It's great. Now, but this is the gag real pod, and we're here to talk about comedies. And I'm I'm giving Gremlins too the gag real stamp of approval. So there's an argument that you could be made that you watch Gremlins 2 for Halloween and then you go back in time and watch the first one for Christmas. That, that You could do that, but you're going to be more bored with the first one after you see the second one. That's very true, actually. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. that's true. Because, yeah, the, the second one is just so much wackier and more entertaining. But it, the first, you go back and you watch it be like a prequel. It's like, okay, so these are all the this is how it that's all true. started. True. This is how it began. Before they were the new batch, they were the original batch. Yeah. That's how that works. Um, there's a hilarious Key and Peel sketch about Gremlins 2. Uh, just go to YouTube, search Key and Peel Gremlins. And uh, if, if you've seen this movie before, you will find that highly entertaining. 
It's really good. I've watched um, that but multiple times. That's all I have from my list. Um, next episode, we will still be keeping with the um, spooky October uh, wackiness. We are we're gonna mm-hmm. have a guest on, mm-hmm. and we're gonna talk about. This was their idea. This is not mine. If you want to write in to gagrealpod at gmail.com and be like, wait, what? Or, oh, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, do that. And I'll send it to Will and the guest. But not my idea. We're going to be talking about Ernest Scared Stupid. We will be scared stupid. I will be stupider. Um, I have not seen that movie since I was a child. So it's going to be interesting. That, I don't hey, know. Fun fact, my boy, sp- that was... That was the first movie that made me cry. Eartha Kitt. We'll talk. And Jim Varney. Ernest Scared Stupid. It's going down. We will have our sister on the podcast. And I don't know how that's going to go, but I'm excited. Yep. Um, And that will round out our October. And then we'll probably get back to what we originally started kind of with the show. And just going kind of movie by movie and breaking them down. Talking about the funny stuffs. Indeed. So I guess have a good one. It's been a doozy.